0: Recovery Elevator, episode 335.
1: It's just like pushing through that difficult motion and like just pushing through that craving and winning it, like that determination, like feels so empowering and so good. And you're just like, you did it. You can do hard things. You did it. And you didn't wake up with a hangover and you didn't spend any money. And you're not throwing up today.
2: Life is on.
0: Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Barella. She's 43 years old. She's from Salt Lake City, Utah, and she's currently on a streak of 42 consecutive days without a drink. How cool is that? And listeners, check this out. This is what I love about doing RE. Jody, who was interviewed on episode 247 about two years ago, is now doing her own sobriety courses and she has one starting this September called The Sobriety Shift. She says, stop letting alcohol kill your vibe and build a life bigger than the bottle. She's offering a 12-week small group transformational program for women who are already sober but not yet living a fully hell yes life. Go to JodyVentura.com, link in the show notes. Thank you, Liz, for more information. Or follow her on Instagram at, uh, at the sobriety shift. And before we go any further, let's hear from Cafe
3: RE. For years, I tried to control my drinking on my own, but I always felt alone and like I needed something else. When I discovered Cafe RE, I realized there were so many people just like me looking for a better life. Cafe RE is a private, unsearchable Facebook group that provides 24-7 access to a community of people whose goal it is to live a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find authentic connection, love, and encouragement. With supportive and educational chats hosted throughout the week, there are plenty of opportunities to connect with others on the same path. Cafe RE is a place where we grow and learn together, and with Golden Rule number 22, we have a lot of fun while doing it. For just $24 a month, you'll have access to the community, all of our online chats, the opportunity to attend in-person meetups, get discounts on sober travel trips, and get the chance to be assigned an accountability partner if you'd like. 10% of monthly membership even goes towards our service project, where we partner with nonprofits to help those affected by addiction. Head over to recoveryelevator.com and use the promotional code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee.
0: We hope to see you there. Okay, let's get started. All emotions are created equal. Now you might be saying to yourself, Paul, you're full of shit. This knot of anxiety in my solar plexus is much less desirable than the feeling I had when I finished my first half marathon. Or you're telling me the shame I feel around my drinking is equal to the fuzzy feelings I get when I hold a puppy? Well, my response to that is yes. So hang with me for a moment. First off, you need all the emotions to give you the barometer for good or bad, or to define what an emotion even is. For example, if we felt happy all the time, well, we'd have a new problem. We wouldn't know what happiness was because it would become the new baseline. So you need the sad to know the happy, and you need the sour to know the sweet. You need inner chaos to define inner calm. And here are some more examples of yins to the yangs. You've got hope, and then you have fear. You have gratitude, and then you have anger. You got pride, and then shame. You have desire, and then you have repulsion. And we all know this one. You've got love, and then you've got hate. And more universal examples of this would be, darkness must exist for there to be light. And it's through silence we understand sound. You have to have black to know white. You have unmanifested to the manifested, which is the physical world, the content we live and experience. The unmanifested, well, some call that God. And if you're not tracking with this yet, this should help. You've got The Most Annoying Sound in the World by Jim Carrey or Lloyd in Dumb and Dumber, and here it comes in three, two, I'm just kidding, I'll save you. And then you have How's It Gonna Be by Third Eye Blind. <laughs> Come on, guys, that was way too easy. Uh, I had to. So let's get into why all emotions are created equal and how this is beneficial or useful to your goal of saying adios to the booze there are basically two categories of emotions love and fear and again both are equal stick with me you have love and the umbrella of those emotions well they are expansive then the other category is fear and that wonderful basket of emotions are the anchoring emotions we need them both equally If all we felt were expansive emotions, we'd float off to Pluto. Or more realistically, we'd be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Or there would be no gut intuition saying, yeah, we probably shouldn't go down this dark, unlit alley at 2 a.m. So here is why this is so useful. When we view all emotions as equal, then we don't double down on them. What I mean by that is we don't get mad that we're mad or anxious that we're anxious or pissed that we're pissed. And as they say down under, there's a good chance you'll end up pissed. If you're pissed, that you're pissed. I think that worked. And down there, pissed means drunk. Hey, they can't all be home run hits, guys. So when we label these less desirable emotions as bad, you've got a much higher chance of drinking over them. And when we drink over these anchoring emotions, we're not doubling down. We're tripling down and kicking today's emotional fronts into tomorrow. And when we don't double down on emotions, they pass through us unobstructed at their normal speed. When they pass through us, then they aren't strengthened or intensified. When these emotions aren't intensified, they soften, they dissipate. And now you have more room or inner space for the expansive emotions. Another big reason why we need to view all emotions as equal inner roommates is because we incorrectly label them. Let's chat depression and the bundle of stored or stuck emotions that constitute depression. If we're consistently saying this sucks, this is bullshit, there's gotta be an app to get rid of this, you'll miss what the depression is trying to tell you. And the same thing goes with anxiety. All emotions are equal and all emotions serve a purpose. In biology, this is called endowment theory. This means that everything has a purpose and exists to somehow help us evolve. And I feel addictions Prime us for some of the greatest most positive change we can experience in human life when we get out of the narrative that sounds something like this ah this fucking sucks then we can see what changes we want or need to make in our lives hey ty did i match that beep up we we, we're 335 episodes into this this project and i I still can't figure out how to put the the beep in the right place anyways it's progress not per yeah i forgot okay Many cancer survivors will look back at their cancer and say it was the best thing that happened for them because now they have a completely new life. And the same thing goes with an addiction. I wish I knew this concept when I became addicted to alcohol because I incorrectly labeled that stage of my life as bad. But now I don't because it's opened so many doors for me. Let's talk anchoring cycles for a moment. It's common after an expansive life event For example, you attend a meditation retreat or even a recovery elevator retreat. The mind, body, soul, and spirit need to process, almost internegotiate how the body at the cellular level will perform moving forward. These cycles typically last three days, sometimes seven, and in rare cases, 21 days. Addictions are heavy anchoring cycles that stick around much longer until we go into them mentally without labels. So the next time you get an intense craving, take your mental energies into it. Don't leave the body, which is called disassociation. And listeners, this is a hard concept to put into practice when you're in the emotional bunker. Recently, I had a Murphy's Law life stressor happen for me in my life. I'll admit, even after understanding this concept that all emotions are equal, it still took me about five days before I could sit with the emotions without a label of good or bad. But once I did, everything shifted internally and it was almost instant. And the issue resolved itself on its own. I didn't have to do a thing. So to be a human means you're going to feel both classes of emotions, love and fear. But as we progress in life and we recognize that we are the active creator in this life, it's through recognizing which class of emotions we don't want that space is created for the other class of emotions. What's up, love? And this is similar to finding out who you truly are. It's through finding out who you are not is how you find out who you are. And listeners, I'll be honest, I don't fully know who I am yet, and that's okay. But I do know one thing, I'm not a drinker. As humans, we'll constantly oscillate between an infinite amount of emotions. But as we ditch the booze and become more grounded, a new player in town comes along called Joy. What's up, Joy? Joy. And that's being okay, even though life might be crumbling around us. That's unshakable inner peace. And here's the good news, listeners this joy, this inner peace, it's already there. As in, you don't have to go and get it. It's more about removing the layers of muck first. And removing alcohol, well, that's why I recommend we start. And one more thing before we hear from Barella if you listen to the Recovery Elevator podcast way back in the vault, You may have heard me refer to my addiction. I gave it a name. His name was Gary. And currently I'm reading The Spirit of Healing Stories, Wisdom, and Practice from Native American Cultures by Louis Madrona. And he says that Native cultures believe that you couldn't work with an emotion, illness, or voice in the head until you gave it an image or a name. Hmm, interesting. So next time your addiction, which is a bundle of emotions, comes knocking on the door, maybe view it as a blob of slime, like Chet and Weird Science, or something like that. Okay, and before we hear from Barella, let's hear from BetterHelp.
4: I wanna tell you about our sponsor for this episode, BetterHelp. Mental health matters, and as we continue to navigate through the day-to-day stressors of life, it's important to have someone that can help us process all of our emotions. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. I know we have listeners from all over the world, and the neat thing is, this service is available for clients worldwide. The platform is super easy to navigate. You can log into your account at any time and interact with your counselor by sending them a message. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I highly encourage you to check it out, so visit www.betterhelp.com forward slash elevator, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Recovery Elevator listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash elevator. Recovery Elevator, please help me welcome Barella to the show. Barella, welcome. How are you today?
1: Hi, Odiz. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking.
4: I'm so happy that you called me Odiz. Listeners, Odiz, Odizel. these are all nicknames and I'm happy that you know one of them, Barella. Yeah. Let's get right to it. When was the last time you had a drink?
1: Well, according to the Recovery Elevator app, I have 42 consecutive days of no alcohol.
4: How do you feel?
1: I feel great. I feel empowered. I feel just, I just, I feel great. I don't feel hungover and that's wonderful
4: so happy to hear. And I I know we're going to get more into your story, but I'm really proud of you. And can you give listeners a little background on yourself? Can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What do you do for a living? And what do you like to do for fun?
1: Okay. Hello, friends. I'm Barella. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was born and raised here. I am 43 years old, and I am a single mother of a very cute and fearless mini-Yorkie named Kiki. By day, I am a victim's advocate for a non-profit, and by night, I'm your cute little queer grocery clerk that will help you find your local produce. And, yeah, for fun, I I love true crime podcasts and going on walks, alone in the woods. Just kidding. (laughs) Well, kind of. (laughs) But... (laughs) But yeah, long walks with my dog. I love meeting up with friends and going on hikes. I love to read, paint. Gosh, there's so many, like, meditation. I like to do puzzles, just lots of things. It's been really hard not to be social because of the pandemic. So it's just like more solo projects, like learning more stuff on the keyboards and more painting techniques. But I'm really excited because I did buy a, a carbon frame road bike frame, and so I'm going to put that together and soon be road biking again up through the canyons, out to the Great Salt Lake, Antelope Island, wherever I can, you know, do some centuries. Utah is
4: beautiful.
1: It is gorgeous. It's, yeah, it's definitely magical. This
4: is definitely a quote-unquote out of of order question but it just got me thinking when you said that you've spent all this time on your own do you notice that solitude is different now that you're not drinking like you enjoy your own company
1: oh yes I've always enjoyed my own company I just feel like I'm more active and productive along this and I'm more creative like alcohol isn't you know just muting my creativity it's not getting in the way of my focus at all but yeah, it's I definitely feel really it feels so good to not wake up with I used to call it the fear like the anxiety you get in the morning after a blackout or a heavy night of drinking, so uh, every morning I'm like it's a new day you're gonna do it it's wonderful let's have Adam those
4: mornings never get old. It feels so, 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 so good. So I'm really happy to hear that. And Barella, give us a little background on your history with drinking. You know, when did the relationship with alcohol start? When did you realize it wasn't serving you anymore? And when did you quit? How did, how did you get here?
1: Okay. Well, I'm really, I thought you would never ask. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, no, so let's see. Uh, I was 16, I believe. I started drinking on my 16th birthday. My mom, like, you know, every, all my friends were like, oh, your mom will buy you alcohol. Let's have a party. My mom offered to do that. She was like, I know you're going to drink, but I want to do it in my house if you're going to do so. So, and I didn't like the taste of it for the longest time. Like, I I was, I didn't like alcohol up until I was maybe 21, I would say that's when it started happening more frequently because going out and like being single and mingling and you know everybody's doing it and um let's see i think it escalated it started getting more of a lifestyle when i moved to portland portland oregon and you know was in a band and band practice there was drinking and then after work we'd go out and get drinks and then we perform and have more drinks, and just drinks were everywhere. And I didn't start seeing, I, I was just like a daily drinker, honestly. So I grew up in Salt Lake, so obviously like the liquor laws here are very unique, and you can only get booze at the liquor stores, and it close on Sunday, and I, they don't do doubles here. There's like there's really weird laws here. And so when I first moved to Portland, I was really excited because you can buy booze at the grocery stores, and like, at your local market and so I was really stoked to see that they had like malt liquor like old English for like two dollars and I was really excited about that anyway so it was just drinking was a big culture for me in Portland and I started noticing like a huge it escalated really quickly like in the last 10 years I would say I would go from just drinking like a couple of shots to doubles and IPAs all the time like i started bartending the last decade and so that's really easy to do you know like i lived in boston for a short like maybe like a year and bartending there customers can buy you a shot and so i would like keep my, i learned my lesson i got really drunk one shift and could not count the money and i just remember being like i can't accept these
4: gifts did you notice that you were drinking more and more like were you were were just in it so much that you didn't or did you start wondering like ooh i'm drinking a lot more than I was
1: yeah I just left school I just started drinking more and then the blackouts started happening mm. and I remember talking to one of my friends about that I think I was maybe 28 when blackouts started happening and I told my friend about it And she was like doesn't that scare you and I was like no it doesn't scare me but towards the end it really started to scare me because I didn't know what was in store for me I was just like I would drink after work blackout be hungover the next day, have hair of a dog. It was just like a constant cycle from like getting drunk to being hungover, hair of the dog, getting drunk again, ibuprofen, like water, like I coffee in between. But I definitely was, I feel like before I went on this like sober journey, I would say like the last five years I was just chasing like the hangover like with booze. And I was constantly like thinking about where I was going to get that drink next or like, okay, the liquor store, I got to get out of work early so I can make it to the liquor store. Like if it, depending on my job, you know, like what I was doing at the time, it was just like constantly just, um, obsessing about, you know, where I was going to get booze and stuff.
4: And it's exhausting. Cause it's almost like you have to manage real life in this inside life, like all of these obsessive thoughts in this equation is like another big chunk of what you're doing with your time and your energy, you know, and we don't have infinite amounts of energy. So it is oh, yeah, it is draining and exhausting. Were you surrounded by people that were kind I of engaging?
1: That. Yeah, yes. I was just going to bring that up. I um, was hanging out with people who normalized heavy drinking. Like I, I didn't see it at the time. Like and so now um since I black my last blackout was December nineteenth, 2019 and I have gone through like some really big shifts with friendships since then because I've noticed that certain friendships were based on drinking they were my drinking buddies and it was it's been really hard to navigate but I will say that My last, like, I just, like, the bottoms kept coming. Like, I've lost a couple of jobs due to it from calling in sick too much because of hangovers, coming up late, you know, just, like, just not even caring. Sometimes I would show up to shifts, you know, just, ugh, oh, my gosh. But my, I think my bottom bottom was I moved back to Salt Lake after... So I went through a breakup, and I just down spiraled. I was just like I was drinking a pint of vodka at night. I did not care. I'd go to bars, just drink, like I would comprom- I would be do risky behavior. Mm. and then I moved to Nashville for a little bit to think that you know the geography move would help, but it did not. In fact, it increased because I didn't have any friends in Nashville. I was in the service industry yet again, and I found camaraderie in the bars you know, Mm -hmm. going to bars and, like, making friends. But I inevitably came back to Salt Lake because I just couldn't get ahead in Nashville, and I was living with my aunt and my grandma at the time, and I bought, like, a fifth of whiskey. Old Crow, that dirty bird, did me wrong. Mm. (laughs) But uh, so I drank, like, almost a whole fifth of whiskey, and I was making dinner for me and my grandma. I feel so embarrassed to even say this, but we're all friends. We Um, are all friends. (laughs) We're all friends here. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was making food for my grandma and I, and the next thing I know I'm like waking up in bed. I can't move. Like my ankle hurts so bad. Like it's discolored and it looks funny. Like I know it's something is so wrong. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, my grandma said that I opened up the fridge and I was getting food out. And then before she knew I was on the ground and tried standing and I fell down again, and couldn't get back up. So literally, I fell down and couldn't get back up. Yeah, so that was definitely, like, my lowest. I'm like, how can I get drunk in front of my grandma and blackout and break my ankle? Oh, you yeah, know. Your grandma's like, I'm going to have to order a pizza. No, and, you know, it's funny, because, like, my, that side of the family encourages drinking, so they didn't, weren't even phased by it. They're like, oh, well, do you want a beer? You know, like, they... Add,
4: yeah like oh it's just like she had one too many and it's like accepted as one having one too many is a a normal thing and yeah I mean and I I appreciate you sharing I know we're all friends but it is it is normal to feel like oh man this is embarrassing I mean I remember when I got interviewed I was like my kids were in the car and I was tipsy and it's like "Eh." but it is (laughs) part of your journey and it is it is really normalized you know I, I don't know which book it was or blog or podcast at this point I I don't even know I'm getting it from all angles but someone said you know it's 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 strangely normalized even by people that that don't drink you know if you see someone on the side of the road passed out drunk we even like joke about it or the whole like at parties we draw on their faces yada yada and if you see somebody who maybe overdosed or you know like their reaction is not the same and it should be the same you know, but we've just we're so desensitized to drunk people, because it is absolutely truly so normal. And I do want to say uh, before you let me know what happened when you woke up, you mentioned like relationships shifting, losing jobs, losing friendships. And I want to make sure that people that are on this journey always remember that there is some grief in the process, you know, you can want something better for yourself and pursue this path and still be bummed that things are going to change because they are like you're allowed to to have like very contradicting emotions it's not like I'm choosing to be sober everything's amazing yay like there's definitely a lot of like push pull and I mean grief you know there's a lot of grief within this journey and it's normal so I did kind of want to say that since you brought it up so thank you tell me
1: Barella what happened
4: after your bottom
1: oh man okay so I was just like and of course I've said this a million times before I can't drink anymore I cannot drink anymore and this I just could like I feel like there was always like a new bottom I just adjusted my standards because I always felt like alcoholism was like a stepdad thing to do like oh her stepdad's an alcoholic you know like it was always like a dad disease, or you know, like related. I don't know why I've always thought that, but the universe put like made me sit down and really think about my life because I could not move. I was like bedridden for oh man, for like a month and a half. Like I could only get out of bed and go to the bathroom. And unfortunately, like the like everything was down. I was on the second floor, like that's where my bed was. And then below, like it was like two stories, I had to like crawl down the stairs. <laughs> to the fridge and like it was just very humbling and I knew I just like did inventory I literally did I had so much time to journal and like really think about every relationship that was affected how my jobs was affected how it affected me even being a dog mom a daughter an aunt just like all of my relationships and my relationship with myself Mm -hmm. because I think I just there's like so many times where I did lose some self-respect and that's ugh, it's the worst feeling. But so I knew that I definitely needed to get out, out of the restaurant and bar industry. And I was afraid to do that because the money is so good, you know. And so luckily, oh my gosh, I'm just so grateful that I was able to land um, a job like, you know, working for the Domestic Violence Coalition and over the phone, like I do, you know, like phone calls and stuff like that. And I also got into the grocery line of work instead of, yeah, bartending. Because I knew I could not be around alcohol. I knew I need to remove myself. I can't trust myself. I've tried moderating. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, I've tried moderating. That just never works. And I just wanted a better life. Again, like, so cliche, but it's so true. Sick and tired of being sick and tired of your behavior. And that's where I was. And also it scared me like I felt the f- like extreme fear about blacking out and breaking and hurting myself so badly not remembering it and yeah one of the I found recovery elevator shortly thereafter and joined RE actually we can talk about that as well
4: I think it takes a lot of courage to do what you did and for some people the inventory piece almost comes later Um, so you know it it came for you then when you had the time and you didn't have the mobility and, and you had to and I think it also takes a lot of courage to make those changes and and recognizing you know I can't be around it because you know all of our stories are unique I still know so some bartenders that are sober for me I know that I had to shift out of that industry as well as you're sharing so oh, it yeah. takes so much self-awareness and and self-honesty because it's it's really easy to look around and, and see what other people are doing, but it, I think it's harder to kind of be specific to our scenario and act from there. Other than shifting gears with your career, how was it You know that time afterwards? If you were used to drinking that much, how was your body? How were the first attempts at not drinking? What were you doing?
1: Sleeping. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eating i allowed myself to just eat whatever i wanted and take naps and watch all the movies i could and just self-reflect um and i burned a lot like burn the ships like that's the term right burning the ships like i came out was like guys i broke my leg my ankle i was so drunk you guys i blacked out i broke my ankle my friends were like whoa Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't anything. I think everybody was just like, well, when is she going to stop? You know, when is she? Because I was I just didn't care. I was drinking all the time. And um, but burning the ships really helped me keep accountability. And everybody agreed. And like, it's so helpful. Like my mom and my friends, I have like sober friends here in Salt Lake and they became sober before I did, which also helped in my recovery. So, yeah, it's been I just feel very blessed and grateful for everything.
4: That's awesome that you had some sober connections. You know, we, we mm-hmm. there is so many people, there are so many people out there that are like, I don't know anybody. And there's so many people. It's just, you haven't made that connection or met that person because there are a ton of us. It's just really hard when you feel like you're the only one in your bubble. And living alone is hard too. I'm really glad. Did you have your dog at the, you did have your dog at the time, but mm-hmm. what would you do say like you're alone You can't really share that accountability with anybody in the same house. Yeah. Like what, what do you do when you're like, I'm just going to drink tonight? How do you build that accountability into
1: living alone? Oh, that is a really great question. Honestly, I am, I feel superstitious. I feel like if, I mean, the liquor store is just like two blocks away from my apartment and there's like a couple of bars down the street. I just am afraid. I just know that like, if I start drinking again, like that life will always be there. The bars will always be there, booze will always be there, but like I just have grown so much and have actually really loved my life. Like I love my jobs, I love where I live, and I've just have curated my garden, my life to like I just am afraid that if I start drinking again, that like it's too slippery. I'm just too afraid to. Oof, it, it like gives me just the jitters just thinking about it. Like I get a physical reaction when I think of booze. And also, I have like my leg isn't fully recovered, so I have like a little limp, and so that's also a physical, like reminder. Exactly. Every day, every day, I'm reminded that like because of my actions, because of my drinking, I broke this ankle. Like because of you know, it's just like a constant reminder. But I've forgiven myself. I have forgiven myself, and I'm really I love. I can't remember which podcast I heard it on, but it's like I'm putting the discovery and recovery. Did you have you heard that one? It's like, an. I always tell people, it's like an experiment, like you're just
4: getting to know yourself. It truly is. I think there's already so much shame on shame on shame on shame. And it it, it really helps, I think, feel unstuck when you look at it a little bit lightly as well. I mean, it's a serious thing, but you almost have to approach it in a, you know, for me, just having that lightness in everyday and still incorporating fun and humor or else it's like oh yeah i already take myself too seriously sometimes so i need to just i love the word discovery you know like i love that you shared that do you still or did you used to have a witching hour or a time in the day where you were like here we go like this is the block that is hard to get through this is when i'm will be contemplating drinking did you have to change maybe habits around certain times of the day where you would be triggered or would want to drink no
1: i think the no not really i just all the time <laughs> all the time i'm like okay let's get breakfast okay i'm gonna have a mimosa or i'll have a bloody mary and then don't drink too much you have to go to work but then you know there's shift drinks and then after mm-hmm. that like you go across the street to the bar with your coworkers, and then you go home and continue to drink until when lord knows when and then i just continue to just follow that like it just yeah um mostly like now that it's getting sunny it's like patio season and i just loved getting day drunk i loved getting day drunk and sitting on patios and just laughing and having fun but now it's just i'm just going to explore different kind of beverages that are icy and delicious on patios just the same so and remembering everything, you know, like, oh, man, I just never knew when I was going to blackout or what I was going to do. So that was always dicey. <laughs> you know, like,
4: so scary, like oh, not being able to, yeah. to, to know what happened. Definitely scary. Were you how were you sleeping before you stopped drinking Borella? Were you resting?
1: Yeah, sleeping has never been a problem for me. Yeah, sleeping. I just I love naps. I take naps every day. They're amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. I love naps and sleeping. Like, that's never been a problem. I think what I've noticed, um, the only times I have... Okay, so December 19th, 2019, was when I blacked out, broke my ankle. And then I was, like, really good. I think I made, like, 131 days, broke it, and went on a two-day bender, and then caught myself, and then wrote it strong for, oh, man, let's see, December, January, for five months. And then I had... I'm starting to understand, like, with, like, these relapses or whatnot. It's normally because I'm starting to learn this, that I'm a people pleaser. And so I had, like, this house guest come visit. And she said she was only going to stay with me for two days. And my apartment is, like, so tiny. It's just, it's a studio. You know, there's, like, a a Murphy's bed. But, like, I can pull out. But it's just, I like my space. Mm -hmm. It's small. And when she was overstaying her welcome, I was, like... I just needed to, that anxiety, I don't know. I was like, let's go have a drink because I wanted just to get out of my space and, like, go out, like, take her out. And, like, I noticed that, like, that's the only two times I've ever drank since this process have been because I'm compromising myself for others. And then I'll drink to make the situation less anxious or, like, tolerable, like I don't know why why I would think that. I would always think that like drinking would help me tolerate situations and people when really I would just bottle things in. Mm -hmm. And if I got too drunk, the truth would come out and then I'd get in trouble and then not remember ever saying anything, just knowing that like that bad feeling the next day being like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I think I need to apologize. And that is also so relieving too, not waking up with like the uh (laughs) uh-ohs. 100%.
4: And you know, I love that you're within your discovery, you're starting to notice why the reasons why you drink, you know, it's really important. And we love asking, like, do you know why? And relapse has a very important role in this journey. I also feel like I love talking about that, because it happens to more people than we think. And we learn so much for me, I had to also kind of detect a pattern the way that you detected a pattern. And only by detecting the pattern can you probably, maybe not entirely preventing prevent it from happening in the future because we never know, but at least having a better understanding of why things are happening and, and why we react in certain ways. So, you know, I love that you have still that self-awareness to kind of get to know yourself. And I think, to be honest, that it's, I'm also a people pleaser. And I think being sober, I'm still working through that. And it's almost harder sometimes to stay Mm. with myself, you know, because if I was drinking, it'd be easier for me to go with the flow and maybe do things that I didn't really want to do. But because I was a little buzzed, I would be like, whatever, we can just go. I don't really care. But it's now that I'm fully present. I've had to learn with that people pleasing. Now I'm like, well, what do I have to do? I have to learn boundaries and I have to learn to say them to say mm-hmm. them while I'm sober. So I'm feeling the exactly. awkwardness. I'm feeling the awkwardness mm-hmm. of new behaviors. I'm feeling potential rejection from people. Like I'm feeling everything. Sometimes I don't even know what it is, but that's yeah. really hard as well. And I realized sometimes I would go back to drinking because that felt easier than actually doing the thing that is healthy, but really hard to do sometimes. So it's, oh, it, absolutely. it's a learning
1: process for sure. Totally. And just recently, um, and this is like shortly after the last time I drank, um, was the Grammys, I think it was. And Fiona Apple, like on her story said something like she didn't go. To Grammys." Yeah. Because she wanted to protect her sobriety. And I'm like, yeah, yes, girl. Yeah. That's exactly so inspiring. You know? And like, I feel like I'm going to use that next time somebody wants to stay at my house. I'm like, no girl, I want to protect my sobriety. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to find somewhere else to stay. Like just protect your energy, as you say, we got to protect our energy. And yeah, like boundaries for sure. I'm struggling with that, but I'm getting better and better. Every time I lay one down, it's just, yeah. And then my drinking friends are having a hard time with particular boundaries. And so I've lost like two really good friends because of certain boundaries I'm starting to have. And so it's kind of cool. To see, like in my early recovery, I listened to Recovery Elevator all the time. And uh, Paul said something about like friends being like the leaves on trees or something, some fall away, but then you grow more There's something along those lines. But it was really nice. And I definitely can relate to it for sure.
4: Yeah, because it is hard. Like I said, that grieving process and when you really try mm. to couple it with acceptance and like sometimes I, I like to think, you know, similar to the leaves and the trees. It's like maybe that friend already fulfilled the role in my life that Mm -hmm. needed to be fulfilled and vice versa. You know, I'm not, some people are going to let me go as well. And it, it, it is hard in practice, but I think that just having that parallel understanding of no control, which is sometimes what we seek when we're drinking and non-permanence like nothing lasts forever Mm. it's helped me because i do feel like for me type a likes consistency likes to know outcomes likes control that means change is really difficult for me and i feel like there's Mm. that's what i've had to learn you know to just like let go (laughs) yeah so hard it was
1: definitely a practice for sure
4: (laughs) yeah what are some tools that you use every day to protect your sobriety borilla
1: oh gosh my favorite is just like waking up in the morning and doing my gratitude prayer and then um just thinking about how like what goals do i want to do for today I make my bed, I stage my apartment, cleansing energy. Yeah, I just set my intentions, and that's mostly it, <laughs> I would say. And listen to podcasts, like, while I get ready. Um, I listen to a lot of recovery podcasts. I just discovered, like, the Seltzer Club. I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah, I just discovered them yesterday. So that's pretty cool. There I, uh, are the elevators
4: so many podcasts now it's amazing so
1: good yeah recovery elevator is my favorite though
4: (laughs) yay (laughs) no truly there are so many i mean i love listening to other people and see what they're up to and and i think this is a business where we need more people doing it there's no competition really we need just more people doing it so it always makes me happy to hear that people are finding other shows paul says that when he started it there were barely any. And now there's at least yeah. 50 recovery podcast on iTunes. Wow. And, and it's pretty cool. I feel like we're definitely growing and hopefully taking over the world one day. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it.
4: If you do get a craving, Borella, what is your go to strategy? What do you do?
1: I talk to myself, to be honest, I'll be, I'll just be like, all right, why are you feeling this way? Like, where's this coming from? I try to locate, like, what feeling it is, why I'm feeling that way. And if it's, like, really strong, like, where it's, like, I just need a drink, like, you're, like, the liquor store is just right there. Like, I just do, I play the tape forward, you know? I'm, like, okay, especially, like, if I'm, like, angry or, like, just feeling really stressed out, like, if I get drunk. I just know that, like, I'm reactive when I'm drunk and I'm, do not make the best decisions (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's not the best version like i just want to not go there and so i just say yeah i play the tape forward and because i just i live by myself and if i get drunk and i break my other angle kiki my little five pound dog can't like take me to the doctor (laughs) you know she can't like bring me water
4: (laughs) and you can't take her to the dog park you can't take her to the dog park and she'll be upset
1: (laughs) i know she'll be sad but yeah the cravings yeah just recently i went through something very stressful and painful and i'm so proud of myself it's just like pushing through that difficult emotion and like just pushing through that craving and winning it Like, that determination, like, feels so empowering and so good. And you're just like, you did it. You can do hard things. You did it. And you didn't wake up with a hangover. And you didn't spend any money. And you're not throwing up today. Does your grandma know that you're not
4: drinking anymore? What'd she have to say? Oh, that's
1: a good question. I don't know. Honestly, I haven't been over to visit in quite a, I I would say, like, a good eight months. Because it's, they kind of live of the way but I have not told her but she also has like dementia like (laughs) so she's not like she's gonna remember anyway but I have not burned the bridge on that or burned the ships on that side I haven't told my aunt either that lives in that house that I hurt myself and that I've quit drinking but I don't know why I just feel like I have everywhere else I just haven't done that yet
4: the time will come when it feels right (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just feel like I'll go over and visit and just bring my own like soda water there. Um, maybe bring my aunt a six pack and just play it casual and be like, I'm not drinking today or just not, because I I feel there's the kind of that they would kind of poke fun at me for mm-hmm. doing that, you know, and like. So I think I'm just gonna be casual about it. Maybe say I'm on medication. I hate lying too. Like it doesn't feel good. No, but, uh, you know,
4: we were talking about this in one of the courses in one of the Ditch the Booze courses, when they when Paul was explaining burning the ships, and that it means that you tell people of your decision. And I was thinking, you know, there's different levels of that and he also talks about that but I think I read it on a book by Pema Chodron she said like we have a comfort zone and of course it's we hear it all the time like go outside your comfort zone yada yada which is basically what you're doing when you're burning the ships but she says you have to be very mindful because if you go super far out you can create uh, a A negative feeling or trauma, even like if you're trying to learn to swim in open water and you just ask like a helicopter to drop you in the middle of the ocean, like you'll be so traumatized that you won't be able to grow and and fulfill that, like the idea of actually being in your comfort zone will be wouldn't even happen because you just got too it, you went too far out so she's like oh, maybe yeah. you got to go on like a 500 meter swim first and then and then after some time okay helicopter i'm ready for you to drop me in the middle of the ocean you know it's we, we yeah. do have to kind of honor that pace because that is very unique to us and to the relationships that we have and the people that we are going to tell and i i, I know that lying sucks. But I think it's also (laughs) in a way you protecting your energy because thank you, you know, I I think you do have to honor what feels right to you. So give yourself some credit. Give yourself some credit.
1: Thank you. Very (laughs) wise. Thank you.
4: (laughs) I also feel like there's a point where you just don't care. And I was laughing so much because (laughs) we used to here at the house now my husband's sober too. So we used to if we had people over say like, just bring whatever you want to drink because we're not we're, we don't drink, so there's nothing here that you could drink. Okay, so people would show up with their, with their, with their beer, wine, whatever. Now we don't even t- like. What do we need to bring? Nothing. We'll have stuff here, and then when people show up, we're like, Heineken Zero or kombucha. Like we don't, <laughs> we have no shame. Thanks. We're like, you're drinking na beer or or not. Like that's the those are the <laughs> options. And then we have we have normal drinker friends who will just be like drinking na beer, and it's kind of comical, but it's like. <laughs> Eventually, people love just it. go with it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I love that.
4: Awesome. <laughs> Barella, what has been an unexpected perk for you on this journey?
1: I really, hmm, I my intuition has been more on point. I feel like um, I like to, I pull tarot cards every day, like to do little readings and stuff. And I feel like my intuition has definitely improved. And um, I've been practicing. Well, I've always wanted to learn remote viewing. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Tell me. It, it's basically that they're coined like okay, so there are these like spies like from like I want to say like World War Two, where they used their like psychic abilities to spy on like people that we were spying on and like hostages and stuff like that. So they were called like the Third Eye Spy. And so it's just been fun, um, kind of exploring that like they're called targets but really just try to locate objects with your mind anyway there's lots of youtubes you can look into it if you're interested but <laughs> also I can't believe how much money I'm saving like I was always like oh I wish I could like those are some really nice jeans I wish I could afford those you know designer sunglasses or you know like I just all of a sudden like wow okay uh, this is great I can finally do nice things for myself like I feel like I'm giving back to myself so much more than I ever have before. And it feels wonderful. I feel empowered and happy. And I feel like I have, just have more love to give and share because of it. And, yeah, I feel like I look better. <laughs> I feel better. Um, and, yeah, my creativity. Just, like, everything has just kind of been – I'm just so surprised. Like, for the longest time, I always thought, like – I couldn't imagine like not drinking, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, oh well, the holidays are coming, and there was always some celebration to drink, you know. Like, happy celebration drinks, a sad celebration drink. Like, and I never thought that I would be able to. Now I'm just like, no, that's and that's just bad for me. Like, I'm glad that I figured it out now, you know, because like um, in my early days of sobriety, I was able to still meet up with my friends who drank at bars and I would just have a soda water and sit with them. But by doing that, I realized I just like paid attention Mm -hmm. to people who were also at the bar at 1 PM during the day. And they were all like older, sad people. And like, um, or at least, yeah, like complaining, just just, like, just everything was just so hard. Like just, you know, eavesdropping all these other conversations and just even like the body language from everybody was just like sullen and, um, and it's just not cute anymore i think like in your early 20s like it's something to go out being social and everybody's drinking and oh yay let's get them mm-hmm. and then like here comes your 30s and it's like more sophisticated you know you're drinking your wines and your old fashions and your craft beers or what have you but like and then there's some then there's like that point in your life where so i see it where you just become that older person that's sat in a bar
4: and still drinking daytime. yeah
1: Yeah. And just like being sad and like your whole life was lost, you know, like, like what memories do you have other than like drinking? Like, I want to look back on my life and have just like wonderful memories instead of full of blackouts and, you know, injuries.
4: (laughs) That's wonderful. You know, we we get young people curious about, about this journey and and they truly do feel like they're going to miss out because it is truly a part of being young for so many people. But pretty much everyone who's older is like, do it as young as you can, you know, yeah. it, it's true. And I feel like we're debunking a lot of the myths around sobriety with, you know, it is very creative, it's a very creative experience. It's fun. There's more NA beverages on the market than I've ever seen. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm really excited for young people who are getting it early on. Yeah. So it's, it's totally. really cool. And yes, of course, you are saving money, looking better. I mean, there are so many perks. <laughs> so I'm glad you're in this journey. It is time glad you're here too. for the rapid fire round.
1: Woo! All right. Let's are you, get it. All right. What is it? 30
4: seconds or less for each okay. answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What would you say to your younger self?
1: Uh, trust your intuition and go if it feels heavy in your heart go against it and um only bad things happen after 1 a.m so go home (laughs) (laughs) bad things happen after you know 1 a.m go home just yeah i think (gasps) that's what i would say (laughs) what's your favorite non-alcoholic beverage Barilla?
4: Oh my goodness.
1: My favorite not oh geez, there's so many right now. There's this new mountain water that comes in like a tall boy. It's called uh, liquid death. I know? love it. It's so cool. It's so delicious. Yeah, I really I've been really into those. And my friend Kalani, she uh makes these like tinctures that she she's a woods witch and so she goes out and picks the berries and like the stuff from the forest and makes tinctures to Put in your like bitters, so it's like a fancy Lacroix. So you know, put a little dab of that in there and feel fancy. Drink it out of a water glass if I want to feel real fancy. Totally,
4: I love that they have a carbonated and then just still water, and the presentation is so much fun. I love it.
1: Totally, and it looks like it's alcoholic too, so you can take it to a barbecue. Nobody's even gonna question what that is you know it looks gnarly it looks like a malt liquor beverage you
4: know? like, yeah no one's gonna ask you and then what we found too is that nobody really cares everyone's kind of everyone's in their own head for the most part all right what is your favorite ice cream flavor
1: oh my gosh i'm gonna have to say what i have in my freezer right now i just tried it for the very first time it's a talenti i think i'm saying that right but yeah. it's like layered so it's like banana Pudding, and then there's like um, caramel, and then there's like pie crust crumbs in there. Oh, girl, it is heavenly. I am like transported to somewhere blissful every time I take a bite of it.
4: (laughs) Take a picture and send it to me so I can go and find it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll do. I will definitely do that.
4: (laughs) What parting piece of guidance can you give to any listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze?
1: Believe in yourself believe in yourself you can do it and just um believe in yourself and keep thinking about that person who you want to be without booze in your life and reach out to your sober community because everybody is so nice like they want you to succeed and if you fall down we'll be here to pick you back up
4: yeah dance floor is full come join us yes and before we (laughs) depart borella give listeners your own you may have to say adios to booze if line
1: Okay, well, friends, you may want to say adios to booze when you are constantly finding yourself. Well, when you're waking up with Mary's, um, and we're not. We're I'm not talking about like the lovely a, a lovely lady named Mary. I'm talking about mysterious alcohol-related injuries, <laughs> like Mary's. No more Mary's. Like <laughs> you wake up with bruises, mysterious bruises. Broken ankle, you know, like just yeah. You might want to consider that. It's expensive, for sure.
4: <laughs> no Mary's allowed.
1: No Mary's allowed. No
4: Mary's allowed. Barella, thank you so much. What a great fun hour. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed thank this, you. and I can't wait to air it with everyone.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Oda. Talk, Talk soon. So much. It's an honor. Take bye. care. You
4: too. Bye. Very well, team Ari. That wraps up our interview for today. And before I say adios, I want to let you know of a recent sober perk that I figured out. You've probably heard people on this show say that they found their story in other people's, right? You looked for a podcast, found this one, heard a couple of stories, and bingo. You heard someone else's story as your own. I was thinking the other day, though, that because of this journey, many people that I probably wouldn't have considered to be friends with actually are now my friends why well because it's normal for us to gravitate towards people that look like us and act like us and think like us but what about the people that feel like us can you relate to anything in relating to people's feelings we connect and we feel validated i heard my friend nick say the other day that when he found out that steve was sober if you don't know who steve is, you just need to Google steve Quick Google search, will let you know who he is. Anyway, he was saying that even though he had very little in common with him, he also realized that he could actually learn a lot from him. Sobriety has gifted me with such a diverse group of friends because of this. I've opened my eyes to people that I maybe would have not noticed because from the outside, it feels like I have nothing in common with them. How wrong I was. In sharing... We realize that we have so much more in common than we thought. And what an unexpected surprise of this journey. Being able to add diversity into our friendship group. Being able to add new perspectives. Because don't we all need that? Just some food for thought. Remember that you're not alone and together is always better. Recovery elevator, you took the elevator down. You got to take the stairs back up. You can do this. I love you guys.
2: story. Get out of the story and use the mind to locate the body. Move the energy inside by talking, walking, and most importantly, trusting that the body already knows how to do so. We cannot fight a drinking problem or an addiction because it's trying to tell us something and we must listen. It's nudging us in a certain direction. Listen to the heart follow your gut intuition this will never mislead you people often ask me what's the one thing i can do my response is always the same burn the ships. it's these repetitive thoughts that always drive you to make the same decisions It's these familiar decisions that always lead to the same actions. It's these familiar actions that always result in the same outcomes. It's these same outcomes that constantly result in the same emotions. It's these familiar emotions that give you those familiar feelings. And it's these feelings that always lead to the same thoughts, thereby completing the cycle. If you can recognize this, you will be empowered to change. You're thinking.